It's like there isn't one black experience. You don't get it. iHeartRadio, Black Excellence. Welcome to the iHeartRadio Black Excellence podcast series. I'm Jamar J. Nice from Chum 1045 Toronto, and this is Black Excellence in front of me right now, Havaya Mighty. Hey, appreciate you. Good morning. Great to see you in person. Yes, I yes, you as well. Havaya a little bit ago that last time we spoke, it was digitally on a Zoom. <laughs> On a screen where we couldn't sit and vibe. Uh, good times. I know, exactly, <laughs> right? Those times. But uh, now we're in person and Love live it. in living color. So it's great to see you. And you've had a tremendous last couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I want to congratulate you on the Juno Thank achievement. You. Thank you very uh, much. If you don't know, Havaya Mighty won the uh, first female to win the best rap album category. Made history. Yeah, good times. Actually, this time. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know what? Um, I want to talk to you about that because that's a, a category that's eluded you. Mm. And now that you have that to your credit, what was it like receiving that news, getting that call that, yo, or do you find out at the award show or do you find out? Like, tell me about finding out that you got that. Yeah. I mean, I found out sitting in the audience, like it being announced um, the pre-call was the like, do you want to perform call? So to me, that was already a win. And I remember I was on tour when I kind of found that out. And that was in addition to already being nominated, which mm-hmm. I found that out through the live kind of nomination broadcast that was virtual as well. Right. So, you know, to me, nominated and being able to perform, like I already felt like I won. I hadn't really even fathomed the idea that I could walk home with the award. But uh, yeah, I found out sitting beside my mom at the actual ceremony, like less than... 15 minutes into the actual broadcast you know what i mean so that was that was an incredible moment um much like the polaris it was very in the moment and validating of course but like hard to fathom in the moment so when you look back i don't know like i don't even know what fathoming those moments feels like or processing it well it's crazy because like right now we're in this like cycle where artists are saying like these awards we can't be looking for the validation of the industry we got to look to the people what about but at the same time it does feel good. To- well, yeah, because like I, I'm never making the music like, oh, I hope that this gets this particular award. Like that doesn't happen in my studio creating process. Right. It's always about connecting with myself first, and of course the people, not second, but like in alignment with self. So that that's always first. Being acknowledged by these entities is just an addition to what it is that you're already doing. Right. And the industry on that side those are still people right mm-hmm. so you are still connecting with people you are still making impact it is in a different way but i don't think that you know one avenue is null and void compared to another i think the maximum avenues you can kind of impact is always the the optimal goal at least for me you know that's what's up that's what's up i, yeah. I, I appreciate the perspective and here's for a little perspective i mean it's 2023 that happened in 2022 you're the first female and many females have come before you mm. like this is wild like it's and it, it's i'm not gonna say that i didn't deserve it but i definitely you know whenever there's a first yeah it was again the same thing with the polaris you have to question why it's the first time because i know i'm not the first person to do what i do right and i know i have inspirations uh, women that have done things before me that have not been acknowledged and I'm being acknowledged, right? So, you know, at the same time, it is a catch-22 where it's like, why are we so behind? But at the same time, like, if I had the opportunity to knock down doors by existing, sure, I'm going to do that, right? Because sure. there's also And that's a not a discredit to your achievement, by the way, me saying that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just recognizing that, like, it's wild that it took this long yeah. for a female MC to be recognized 
It's true. But, you know, we definitely have to talk about why we think that is. Mm. And I definitely want to get into your origin story a little bit. Okay. I do know that you come from a musical family. Very much so. Uh, a family of creators. Your your sister. Yes. Omega. Big up to Omega. Yes. Big up Omega Mighty. Right? Okay. <laughs> now, talk, talk to me about um, your parents and musical influences in the home growing up. Let's talk about culture. Yeah. Um, Jamaican, Bayesian big household. Up. Yeah, big up. Big up. Big up. So, you know, my dad... Is bringing that and then my mom born in the uk but uh bayesian background so you know very caribbean household standard you know cover the couch with the plastic you know like <laughs> the auntie couch yeah <laughs> can't sit on a couch there don't sit on it that's for special occasions yeah no there's, there's th- those customs you know i grew up um so vegetarian okay. um so your dad's like i told properly right yes so you know this very disciplined in that way word um, I think that that sort of discipline has very much helped with the music career. And I grew up in a musical household as well. So three older sisters, a younger brother. All my sisters played the piano. I was in singing lessons. I uh, grew up east end of Toronto, music lessons in Scarborough. You know, mm-hmm. like thoroughbred, like Toronto kid. Like, word, word, word. Kind of story. Scarborough to Brampton, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toronto, but like actively in Scarborough because that's where... The New Conservatory of Music, that's where I went. And that's in Scarborough, right? So that commute was always happening. Then we moved to Brampton, you know, because my parents wanted to do the level up and the environment that I lived in Toronto was not conducive to three young black women. Mm -hmm. just was not the vibe for my parents. I mean, you got like West Indian parents, Bayesian and and Yardi, like, were they, did they embrace hip hop or were they? Honestly, growing up, I wouldn't say embrace. Yeah. um, Because at the time, also early 90s, like it was pretty abrasive. Yeah. Yeah. There's stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. I had to hide my public MTV tapes from my mom. Yeah. No, I used to get like all my plugs from my cousin. um, But I never had the actual tapes or the actual. So my form of it, my my hip hop expression came a little bit later. Right. Because I wasn't super exposed to it. I, I would say more, way more culture reggae from my dad's side. Yeah. And then kind of like R and B soul from my mom's side. Okay, and then okay. that combination. Um, growing up, you know, so you have Wyclef, Lauryn Hill, those types of things. True, and you have, true. You know, Bob Marley, and then you have like. Like the Barris. Celine Dion. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Every every Jamaican yeah. household has Celine Dion too, right? So, right, of course. <laughs> Little known fact that a lot of people don't know that, right? Like, outside of the culture, they don't, they don't know, know that. Like, it's we crazy. Love if you're Dion. not West Indian, let me tell you, you go to a dance hall party, they're going to play all your Elephant Man, all your Beanie Man, all yeah. your Six Boss, all that stuff. But when they hit that Celine Dion, oh, it's cracking. Nostalgia. <laughs> it's like, nah, it's different. It's yeah, different. So, yeah. yeah, of course, that was there in the household as well. So, very eclectic household. And then, yeah, like, classical music and busy music as well because again we were playing piano and do, doing the lessons thing so sure. just high exposure to just different different variety yeah so tell me when the hip-hop switch flipped for you like for me yeah uh what it actually switched like when i remember it switching was i was about 11 or 12 okay um this is after i moved to brampton already and i started to get like a little sense of independence and I was able to use the computer and I started to find what I liked. I remember there was a website called letsbeef.com. It's probably still a thing. But yeah, letsbeef.com. I was Miss Grimy. I'm not even going to tell you how I spelt that. That was your screen name? It was, I'm going to tell you how I spelled that. M S Z, the squiggly line, G R exclamation mark M 3 Y, Miss Grimy. Yo. But I was in top 10, yo. And it was like all these mans from like, the states uh-huh. and it was like you either do like your text battles so you just type your verse or it was like a, a minute recording okay and then uh, like a verbal verse of just like oh, battling this is, this yeah is dope. yeah like i wasn't outside i guess you know yeah. as the kids say i wasn't outside at the time but i was online and i was <laughs> that's how i found my 
I guess my rap stilo and it was around the, like the era of like the Get Rich or Die Trying 50 Cent like that was really like the oh. time that I was super invested I can remember like my engagement going up and up and up and I was old enough to like understand what I was intaking okay. and, I, and yeah Nelly that era too and I just started creating my own music around the age of 12 and lesbeef.com that was a way that I kind of expressed it and got it out but I started using you know like DAWs at the time and recording my own like remixes and stuff that album you referenced Let's Get Rich or Die Trying that's oh. a that's a legendary classic. album. That's a classic album. This is my start, for sure. For sure? Yeah, okay, 50 that's... Cent is <laughs> definitely like a, a big inspiration in a weird way. I always reference it because I think the, the thing I learned most from him is that like he was a, an amazing storyteller. But yes. he was telling stories I couldn't resonate with, but I could resonate with him the way he was telling it. Yeah. And I was like, that don't make no sense because I've never been shot. Right? So I had to <laughs> process, like, you don't actually have to go through something. If someone tells their story well enough, you feel like you lived it. Yeah. If they're telling it in, a, you know, a way that you can connect with it. Well, it's artistry, it's entertainment, and it's, um, you know, it's theatrics, a lot of it, too. And 50 Cent was very good at that. I grew up in Queens. Okay. And 50 Cent, when we were coming up, 50 was known as, like, this crazy battle rapper who would just release. He did that How to Rob mixtape and the track, and he was just known as a cat that was really always provoking people. Yeah. No one didn't take him seriously until he took his game seriously Word. and said, like, yo, I'm going to be that dude. And then he linked up with Dre, and the rest is history. Mm. But, you he know, he had something inside him that you recognized. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I recognized it after everyone else did, so I can't say... No, like, that's what's up, though. But I still... Yeah, and I would say, for me, what it taught me from a very young age, because I, I feel like I had a natural knack for rapping always. Mm. And maybe it's because I had singing lessons really young, so, like, the diaphragm was already trained, all of that. But I feel like what I really had to train was not the ability to rap or breath control or how many, like, bars I could fit, like, like how many lyrics I could fit into a bar. I feel like I always had a natural knack for that, but it was what you're saying yeah. where I actually had to spend some of that time and I feel like that's where I learned the most from other people it's not how to rap but like how to convey messages in different ways and how to like tell stories that are impactful because I hadn't lived anything by like at 12 when I was listening to Get Rich right. I hadn't experienced anything like right. so I was just rapping bars that you know like I wouldn't say cat rapping but a little bit like sure. a little bit like sure. I'm rapping like an aggressive nature and energy and I'm not living that you know I really learned from people telling their stories that are not what I lived, how to tell my own story. I'm really happy that you said what you said because a lot of people don't admit, a lot of MCs especially don't admit that. Mm. Like, you don't have to have been shot at. You don't have to have robbed nobody. You don't have to have gone through that. But you have an appreciation for how someone's telling that experience, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which in turn helps you to be better at telling your experience. My, which is very different from that. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. that's what's up. That's what's up. Another thing I want to ask you is like, you know, you had classical training. You went to the conservatory, right? Yeah. Um, your parents listened to soul and culture, reggae, and all these things. Was there any pushback? You know, you're kind of underground, undercover, like on a on a website, mm. submitting verses and, and, and lines. Was there any pushback once you started really diving into hip-hop that like, yo, why are you in this lane? Like, was anyone telling you not to do that? You know what? That's a really good question, because I, I feel like, too, in, in the Caribbean culture like you would expect that but nah like I feel like my parents were strict and they were the most relaxed when it came to music that's where they gave us the most freedom and where I was able to be the most myself and I didn't feel like I had to ever shy away from who was naturally coming out like ever that's with up. music they put me in, in singing lessons really young and my sisters were in piano I think for them they had an understanding of musical expression transcending anything else as well at a very 
early stage in parenting, I guess, because that was one thing that I never had to really deal with, even though I know it's not like they're what they gravitate to first is not the genre I chose. You are very fortunate <laughs> because, very... you know, Caribbean folks are really, you know, it, it's a struggle because, you know, you migrate to a new country and you want to be accepted into the larger community. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to tell your kids like, yo, don't go in that direction because people are going to look at you crazy. You're not going to reach, as we say, all these things. But at the same time, these are authentic expressions, um, you know, from an American art form, hip hop. But it's a different experience because of the fight from, you know, the American experience. That's where it comes from. Yeah. But so I, I say that to say that it's sometimes hard for Caribbean kids. I think it's very difficult. I think I'm very fortunate. Like, yeah. I don't know what it would be like if I had the thing in my ear that was like, are you sure? Or why yeah. would you? Why don't you try this instead? Like, I, and, and it's interesting. Like, I never had that is also maybe my personality. Like, but it's funny. Like, when I graduated high school, mm. I took a year off and I was like, I don't know what to do. And it was my dad who actually found the program, this music program that I ended up taking. Because they were like, well, I don't know what she wants to do. But the only thing she shows any interest in is this music thing. You know what I mean? And so they threw me in school. They were like, we don't know exactly what you're going to do with it, but you're just going to be educated. That's That was their kind of hard line. But I was still able to create whatever I wanted to do within that. And as long as I was having that technical education, which I do use today, so I'm grateful for that. Um, I don't know, man. They just really didn't hold me back. Even now, like, my parents are very supportive. Like, if I have a show in Montreal, they'll do that six-hour drive. Like, they'll come out. And, like, I'll be rapping all sorts of stuff that I know my dad is not resonating with. What is that like? I've always wanted uh, to know what so that's funny, like. Though. like. My dad, I feel like he's, like, the, like, he's, I feel like he's grown more than me. What? But, yeah, because who, when I was younger, I would really believe if I do X, Y, Z, I'm going to get kicked out. I'm, and I'm really, like, living myself and living my life and being myself and not hiding in any way. And I know that there's things about me that, I, like, as a Jamaican-born man, I just know. And he's just really proven that no matter what, he's there. Like I, I'm like, and my mom too. But I think it's just a little, you know. There's a little bit more of that uh, fear with your dad, and 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 you know, he's the one that was born and raised in Jamaica, you know. And I just feel like he really has accepted the differences in all of his children. Yeah. You know, and he really embraces it. And even if he doesn't get it, even when I know he doesn't get it, he will be there. And that's just different, you know. Havaya, to this day, I'm a grown ass man. To this day. On the radio, there are things I will not say because I'm thinking, what if my mom's listening? Yep. <laughs> what, yep. what if my Jamaican mom hears me say this foolishness? Like, oh, I'm gonna get all ask all these questions. But sometimes, I mean, and I'm, and I'm the pressure. And I, it's it's a the pressure is getting worse. <laughs> right. no. And the thing is, I feel that. But I, yeah. I, I, one of the biggest breakthroughs of the music I'm making now is that I, I learned to, with the music specifically, it's like you know, music. You gotta talk about love. You gotta talk about expression in ways that your parents are just not gonna get. And I'm like, yo. If I don't break that kind of attachment, I'm never actually gonna meet the full potential of making music. Cause it's not one of those things where vulnerability can be avoided. In fact, the best music I make comes from my most vulnerable space. And I'm not very vulnerable with my parents, right? In, in certain ways. And I'm learning to be now cause I'm just like, you're gonna get to know her because the rest of the world does too because I have to know her as well. For, this, for me to do this thing forever, I can't not understand any element of who Havai Mighty is or like hide that aspect. And I'm learning where I've done that and where to stop doing that. And I also think by me doing that, there's an aspect of like the shift that happens within the culture because, you know, some of the new music that I'm doing, mm-hmm. I feel is really bridging the understanding of our community in terms of blackness and, and, and like 
Caribbeanness and the nuances and in the there. nuances there. Yeah. And then this new age stuff that might resonate with me particularly. Like I know for me, being Caribbean, black, queer woman, bridging those worlds, mm-hmm. I just met a lot of people where the worlds, their worlds have already collided. Yes. Right. There is a distinction, and I I I live in the distinction. I can see where it's like. There's, there's an open space here and then it's a little bit more closed off here and it's like but these are both my cultures right yeah. like these I understand and live through all of this so to me bridging those worlds even the new music that I've done and you'll see through the visual it is bridging those worlds and showing like this is actually what Toronto the landscape looks like we're not actually like putting anything on or, or painting any picture like this is what the landscape actually is out here I think Toronto's so fit culturally and just like demographically for this moment because of the place where we are generationally, where yeah. a lot of young kids, black kids are like second generation, third generation. Yes. You know what I mean? And also the change that's going on in, in the world where people are like, you got to do you. And, you know, in the Caribbean community, there's always the struggle between which pick a side. Like, are you West Indian or are you, are you Canadian? Like, which one are you? Like, who are you? Like, it happens in America, too. Like, yeah. you're Yadi or you're Yankee. Who are you? But... <laughs> Like right now, this generation, you through your music are saying, I'm all of it. I'm yeah. me, I'm female, I'm queer, I'm West Indian, I'm Canadian, I'm a, I'm an MC, I sing, and it's being accepted and I love it. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know what? I've learned that that's actually what it is because you do think you need to fit into boxes. You try to fit yourself into them and I don't really, I don't fit into a lot of boxes. Aspects of me fit, you know, part of me fits here, part of me, but it's like you said, it's 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 so vast and varying. And I'm, I'm learning to not fight the different sides of it, the parts that I get less or the parts that, you know, maybe I get it, but I'm like, oh, but like, you know, my in-laws or, you know, do you, you think about all the people that you're like, oh, are they going to judge? And am I almost disrespecting the legacy by being myself? And you have to remember that it's like, no, you're not. Things change and the we adapt and but you're being your your true authentic self through this music that you're creating and you're and you're contributing in a positive way to what black people have already done your history is just adding to that legacy and it's it's an interesting thing to have to like art like argue with yourself whether that is what you're doing because some people might not get it you are here giving a free jewelry girl because like people need to hear that so many people struggle with being authentic it's 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 hard it is hard it's so hard because someone's always gonna question your authenticity like I my authenticity is I'm a little bit goofy I'm a little bit weird and I'm kind of nerdy right so you those are things that you know don't always work with I don't know rap you know so you what, try what's a nerdy thing about Hawaii Mighty that we might not even realize like it's something up in your room or something that you watch or I'm just actually a nerd like <laughs> I I like to watch documentaries okay. uh, the types of conversations that I like to have I just think some of the stuff that I do is textbook uncool <laughs> but I but I think like I, I remember like like clearly like grabbing this book I was really into at the time in like grade 11 or 12 and everyone was going to play ball and I did play ball but I that lunch I wanted to read because the sun was hitting in a different way <laughs> Yo, I've and never heard anyone say that before it was Yo, one day look at the sun Yo. it's hitting where my book at Yo, like, it was one day I, it was just the vibe I was in that day and I remember there was a couple like couple friends that like pointed out like Yo, that's weird <laughs> like that's weird that you're like the the fact that the sun is out, you should want to like play ball. And I was like, I'm on the ball team. That's not new for me. Like reading this book in this meditative state. I don't know. I just feel like I've, I don't, I don't actually think that I'm a nerd. You know what I mean? But I just sure. think like, I think that I'm like left of center. I think yeah. the music that I make, the style that I have, like I could try really diff, like really hard to fit in. I don't really ever fit in 
I fit in the most not trying to fit in. But you know what's crazy too? Black people are like not allowed to be nerds sometimes. A lot of times. You yeah. ever notice that? Like, yeah. Because I'm nerdy too. I'm nerdy as hell. And I feel like I meet a lot of people that I, I'm like, yo, we, we're weird. Yeah, like, we, we, we geeking right now, right? We, and like, I, right. I know you get me. And right. it's like, and I know that has no reflection on cool. But yeah, we have a little bit of this the toxic masculinity within yeah. the culture of, you know, you got to be. Uh. And then on top of it too, like as a female who is like somewhat more masculine presenting, but not but authentically like I'm not there's no putting on there's just no who you toxic are. yeah there's no like oh like I'm trying to like make sure that people understand my level of horror when you meet me <laughs> there's none of that you know what I mean it's just just this authentic just, yeah, just this here's is what just it your is vibe. Yeah. yeah I think that there's you know I can't speak outside of uh, uh, like other communities I can't speak to that but like I think within our community we are breaking some um, constructs of like this the things that make us fit in, the things that make us cool, like even like the whole nerdy term. I don't know how, like in the in separate communities, in different communities, if being a nerd is like frowned upon. Well, I, I remember when I was growing up, like being a black kid, and if you were somewhat nerdy, you lost your black card. But yeah, like, okay. But, but think about what that does to a kid. It's like, all right, the nerds are like the people who are interested in science and tech and math. And if you like science and tech and math, you're no longer black. Which means, if you actually really take that seriously, you might grow up to be a kid that'd be like, nah, I'm not going to do that because that's not what my community does. And then you have a deficit in the community yeah. of people who could be really great at those things but choose not to because they want to be accepted. Of course. And then accepted into what? Like, understanding how maths and sciences work creates a better livability for all. Like, all So us. when you have a community that has this big void and deficit of that knowledge and that's what's perceived as cool. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Because what should be perceived as cool is anything that can allow us to progress as a collective. Right? So understanding those things like I was enhanced I had an IEP in school like I was actually a nerd do you know what I mean like wow. I had extra classes and stuff like that and it's funny when I grew up in Toronto I was getting C's and D's and like was kicked out of French immersion and like was the, my environment was trash and so I acted out and uh, up until grade two I, I had not a good experience with school when I moved to Brampton which is why it's a big part of my story when I moved to Brampton was kind of when the multiculturalism was there and all these you know brown kids white kids all this all these different and I felt like I fit in and my grades showed immediately and that's when I kind of I had to do this test and was brought into the whole IEP thing and basically was deemed like this accolade of gifted I don't know what that really means okay. um, but you know in school you know sometimes you're in the, the special class I was in the, in the other special class where you actually got extra work and extra projects Yo, it's so wild I've heard so many artists talk about like being bad students told they were the special kids or whatever and then they sit in front of me and talk and they like sharp like you're yeah. so sharp and I gotta think that like these educators are misdiagnosing so much of our oh, youth they are. it's crazy oh, they are like, I remember you're the I was... sharpest person I've met in a minute yo oh appreciate you I mean like I remember them saying like yeah she's anger management problems like maybe she should go to a special school and then the environment change was like actually she's learning at an increased level and like maybe we want her to help teach the class for the last 15 minutes of you know what I mean like it was like that and like I, I would say the, 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 I don't know if the intelligence stayed up, like from grade three all the way to grade 12, you know, mm. I did my thing, we graduated, but mm. <laughs> at the end of the day, like I was always, education was always valued in my household as well. Mm -hmm. It was always like, and I remember like because of the IEP being sent to a specific school and wanting to go to the cooler school and I'm like, they have a studio, they have dance classes, I don't want to go to this other school. And like, almost like fighting my mom on that, you know, like not wanting to like go the on a real educational route I wanted to go the creative route and then at the end I'm doing both things right you know what I mean but I just remember it being such a 
an important thing for me to like occupy that space not knowing what I was doing because I just enjoyed learning and at the end of the day the things that I've learned I've internalized to the things that I value the most a lot of the things I've studied the things that are important to me have come out into my project 13th floor I talked about concepts and ideas I've studied for a long time and it's funny like you know the, the whole black card being taken thing me being nerdy me being this and that people used to call me whitewashed and it's like the things I used to discuss was like political colorism issues in grade 11 you talk about whitewash I'm talking about the blackest stuff the blackest that stuff could ever. exist you know what I mean and it's like you, you just don't understand like how important like for me the colorism topic was huge when I was younger you know I, I even just that what you brought up I feel like we need to talk about that more how we as black people because I got those labels my whole life being mm. called not black enough not this enough huh. like we gotta we really gotta open up that conversation as a people and be like why are we doing that like we gotta start telling people like yo you cannot say that to your brothers and sisters yo yo it's so it's, it's crazy. so isolating and it when you get older it actually doesn't make sense you realize that it's a large part of it is like this internalized generational indoctrination to be honest yeah where the things that are perceived as acceptable are not the things that are progressive for the community so the community struggles with trying to be progressive, but then also trying to fit in. And it's almost like when you're progressive, it's like, oh, you're leaving your community behind. There's this weird distinction that is made where it's, sometimes it's hard for some people that are that have experienced. Because it's funny, like I've had people, like I've been online, I've seen people call me like industry darling and like, like this pop thing. Like because my early experience is not maybe growing up in the hood, or having certain experiences, it's almost like, well, then you don't get it. You don't get the black experience. And it's like, there isn't one black experience. You don't get it. What's crazy right? to me like, is that people don't get that. Like, isn't the goal to get us all out of the hood at some point? Well, exactly. Like, and, so when someone gets out, you're going to beat them down for it? Like, that doesn't one, make any sense. Number one, when someone <laughs> gets out, you're beating them. But then number two, if someone was never in it, yeah, then their experience is null and void. That don't make no sense. That don't make no sense. Because... Now we're making it seem like the black experience is one experience. Yeah. It's like this impoverished experience. A large part of it is us being held back. But like, if you look at the 13th Floor Project, I'm talking about some of these same concepts, but the origin points are not the same. Yes. The actual things that I've lived are not the same as someone who, let's say, has come from the hood or had to, you know, maybe sell work or something like that growing up. That experience is just as valid. That's not a black experience intrinsically, though. Right. And so to assume that it is or to act like it is or to act like any sort of other experience is like you don't get it or you're not part of the culture is like it makes our culture seem one dimensional. Our culture is not specifically being held back or being impoverished where we, we come from much more than that and that's why on the 13th floor project i talk about things that exist way before like the current hoods that we live in in toronto today mm -hmm. it goes more than 400 years back mm -hmm. and it goes back to the mindset that we're in right and a lot of times we're fighting each other on just where we want our mindset to be it's really as wild. if we can't differ yeah it's really wild so i'm hoping that just by existing it's breaking i i notice it more i'm connecting more like i think what makes me feel so amazing is i'm learning now to never change who I am at all. I walk in a room, I perform as a Viamite, it's the same every time, and now I'm connecting with new people. And more and more people that look like me are, but like I can tell have different lived experiences, are acknowledging me after the show, are coming up. And it's like, I'm from this ends, I'm from this ends. It's like, I don't, I don't do politics. Like, I don't do that type of stuff in my music. Mm -hmm. Like, other than talking about literally political things, but I don't do like the politics or the, I'm from this hood or this end. I don't do that type of stuff. Yeah. And so, I think it's beautiful like when people don't feel like they have to identify with any form of community or be from a certain place or have a certain experience to 
be like, yo, that was dope what you just did on stage. So the so the walls are taken down because a lot of times people will not even support you because of where you're from. Yeah, or because of how I present or yeah. because of what I talk about. And now I feel like I, I watch people create, uh, like see me create, and it's like, I know we don't live the same life. And it's like, yeah, but the way you told that story, though, that was sick. And even the topics you talk about, I mean, you got a song called Obia, right? Yeah. Is that the song? I mean, like, yeah. like from a Jamaican perspective, like that's not something you would really hear someone put in a song name a song and if you don't know what that is it's essentially like jamaican witchcraft or what is called witchcraft but really is afrocentric um spirituality yeah but it has been dubbed as witchcraft yeah but you went right in on it i went right in on it yeah and like i mean if you listen to the song it's like it can be interpreted in 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 many different ways because obia is interpreted in many different ways historically right. and culturally but you'll see you, i mean it'll be very obvious how i'm talking about it in that song right like, i'm coming from a very particular perspective in the video you know that was really cool too we did that with jesse dart die fire films that was really cool um i try i try to talk about whatever wherever my mind goes and not high, like not run away from like I don't know slightly more controversial topics. I guess you could say. I love it. I love it. Oh, Havaya, I could talk to you for hours, <laughs> but I don't have hours. But I do want to ask you one final question. Yes, sir. Uh, a top five buck up list. If you were to buck up with five MCs or five artists and collab in the world, in the world, anywhere, Ooh. give me that list of five people, like a, a dream team list. Uh, I mean, I feel like this type, these type of questions could change every day. But today, today, today. I'm gonna say Kendrick. Okay. I just think that that would be incredible. Well, I think, we refresh uh, off the Grammys and you know. Yeah. He, he, congrats uh, to him. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the last couple projects have been incredible. So definitely, like, I just I, I would be fly on the wall working with Kendrick. Um, rappers only? No. Anybody. Any artist. Anybody. Any I'm gonna say. I feel like a lot of people today don't really understand the legacy of Rihanna, right? Mm. I'm gonna say Rihanna because I grew up on Rihanna's music and like, I love pop. Low key, I just need to work in the right avenue where people are like gonna get that, I, you know, um, and let me do my thing, and I don't have to spit no bars. We can straight up like, yeah, just straight singing the melodies. So Rihanna, um, alive? Mm, not necessarily. No. So you got two alive already. So you can give me a dead one. Yeah, <laughs> that sounded more bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounded sound away, but yeah, okay. Um, I'm just gonna say from like an energy perspective and like a legend perspective. Mm -hmm. Tupac, ah, sure. Pac. The energy I come with, I just feel like I can't imagine. You got Pac energy though. I feel like I, I meant I went to tell you that earlier. You, really? What? <laughs> you have Pac energy. Is that Black Panther in him? You know, it's Black Panther. It's 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 bars. It's knowledge. It's it's like your the bravado. The bravado that like it's confidence puff, in what you're saying. That puffs too. out your chest energy. You oh, have yeah. that. Yeah. I feel like he's very confident in what he's saying and the energy he's putting out and the message. That he's trying to convey yeah, and messages and yeah. i feel like as the clearer i am on a message the, the bigger my chest could be right Word. um two more two more lauren hill have to ah have to nice we could do anything it could be singing rapping poetry like it could be anything um one more one more one more my math isn't my math isn't too good <laughs> um hmm damn even, this is hard. it could be even be someone we've never heard of I oh mean, you know what even if there's somebody that we need to know you know what i mean yeah I'm not good with the list. You know you know what? I'm gonna say A producer? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh man, now I got like six people. Ah. <laughs> I'ma say I'ma say two more people if that's cool. Okay. Um Missy Elliott. Oh, that's what's up. Because legendary, classic producer, songwriter, like and I'm just gonna say on the flip side, another incredible woman who does the pop rap thing. I think this would be a really cool studio session would be Doja Cat. Ah. 
Doja Cat. Yeah. Or Dochi. I, I, I'll put her up there too. Yeah. I feel like those types of studio sessions are the best because I'm saying it like I know how the studio session would go. I just, I think because you don't know how it would go. Doja Cat came out of nowhere for me. It's like all of a sudden Doja Cat blew up. But Doja Cat was busting before too. Like yeah. I remember like I'd heard a one-two song from a friend of mine, but I didn't know. I didn't make the connection. Mm-hmm. And then that Moo sound, that Moo yeah. song yeah. was the one that blew her, but it was like she'd been doing her thing. Doing her thing. Yeah, like I hope I could be a success story like that where people are going to be like, wow, if I came out of nowhere and it's like, nope. She's been working pretty hard. Well, well you never know what will expose you to somebody. I, I just will end this by by saying this. You know, as a radio host here in Toronto on the radio, the first and as a new Canadian also, mm. didn't know anything about you until I got here. And then I heard a commercial. It was a commercial that you had done a, a verse on. I forget what it was. Maybe was like that Good Life or something. Good Life Fitness. <laughs> Yo. This commercial would play on our, on my show like every morning. I'd be like, who the hell is this MC killing this commercial? <laughs> and it got to the point where I was just like, I just want the commercial to play. I don't even want to hear the music we're playing. And I need to hear a couple more bars. And then when I looked up the song, I found the actual song. Because I'll tell you what I did. I Shazam the commercial one yeah. morning. And I was like, I got to get this song. And I found it on Spotify. That's dope. And that's how I found you. So You, you know, never know the avenue, basically. You never know the avenue. Crazy. But it, you know, it all brings us to a, a beautiful place and, and a beautiful artwork and energy. And that's that's who you are. Thank you. Black excellence. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you for spending this time with us. Absolutely. That's Havaya Mighty, everybody, with iHeartRadio on Black Excellence. Hold on, just a little song. Can you tick-tock and flip it on me? Can you turn back and I kiss you slowly? You the only one ever did it for me Hold on just a little for me For me For Can you hold on just a little for me? 